Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 822, and look at Matthew chapter 21, verses 45 and 46. Let's read the passage. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. Although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds, because the people regarded him as a prophet. This is the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this gospel to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. We've been to the section in Matthew's gospel where they are in Jerusalem now. Jesus entered Jerusalem. We had the triumphant entry where he rode into town on a donkey, basically acting out Zechariah 9.9, stating that he was the Messiah, making his entry into Jerusalem to establish his kingdom. Everybody recognized what he was doing there. He went into the temple, cleansed the temple, chased out the money changers, and declared that his temple was to be a house of prayer, criticized that they had made it into a den of thieves. He was in the temple teaching, and children were dancing around singing Hosanna to the son of David. And the religious leaders criticized Jesus and said he should make the children stop, but he refused to do that. And we had the cursing of the fig tree. And we saw there it was judgment on not bearing fruit. And it's all indicative of what's going on in Jerusalem. The temple practices are not bearing fruit. What's going on in Judaism is not bearing fruit. And there's going to be judgment on this because it's not bearing fruit. And he was in the temple and the chief priests and the elders challenged him and asked why, what authority he does these things. He mentioned John the Baptist and asked them a question about John the Baptist. What was his authority? They wouldn't answer, so Jesus wouldn't give them an answer. Then he starts telling these three parables, and they're all related to this challenge by what authority he does these things. The first parable was about the two sons in the vineyard. The takeaway was actually doing the Father's will is what counts, not just saying, but doing. We had the parable of the landowner and the wicked tenants. And the lesson there was there's going to be a replacement. The wicked tenants are going to be destroyed and replaced with faithful tenants. And the lesson there was specifically the religious leaders in Jerusalem would be replaced. Underneath it, I don't know if anybody really got it then, is the replacement of Israel with the new Israel. Now, we still have one more parable to go, but we have this little quick interlude here in verses 45 and 46. So this is a fairly short passage here, but I want to deal with it on its own. Verse 45, when the chief priests of Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. Well, you don't have to be too clever to recognize that he's speaking about them. And these are clever people. They understand. They're smart. They know he's talking about them. And so the challenge is, what are they going to do about it? Well, here, Matthew refers to them as chief priests and Pharisees. When we started this, when they came and questioned Jesus about his authority, Matthew described them as chief priests and elders. Now, in this same scenario... In Mark, Mark 11:27, where they're questioning his authority, Mark refers to them as chief priests, elders, and scribes. So who are these people? Well, they're members of the Sanhedrin, and there's a lot of ways you could describe them. So there's kind of a mix and match of 
how they're described, but we understand they're members of the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is comprised of chief priests, that is, priests of the Aaronic priesthood, who've been elevated in rank to chief priests, and so they become leaders and they're part of this ruling council. Then there are scribes. These are religious experts. They're not priests. They're teachers and experts in the law and provide expert interpretations of the law. And then there are elders. These are just leading members of society, aristocrats, basically. And so these three flavors of people, priests, elders, and scribes, comprise the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. Then there are the two parties within Judaism, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They actually differ on their religious beliefs. The Sadducees only believe in the written law, the Torah, where the Pharisees put a lot of stock. They believe the written law, of course, but they put a lot of stock in the oral tradition. Pharisees are very caught up in rules and righteous living. The Sadducees are more associated with the temple operations in Jerusalem, where the Pharisees often are in power in the local synagogues. So the majority of the chief priests are Sadducees. Probably the majority of the scribes are Pharisees. The elders, hard to say. I suspect most of them are Sadducees. You're kind of mixing labels when you say chief priests and Pharisees. But there's, there's different ways to describe it, so don't get caught up in the differences there. He's just referring to members of the ruling council. But Matthew, I think, setting it up because he's going to start having some interactions with the Pharisees. Jesus is really going to be calling them out in chapter 23. This same group of people that asked the question about his authority, and he's now giving them parables to explain it further. They know he's talking about them. Verse 46, although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the people regarded him as a prophet. Now I think, why do they want to arrest him? Remember when he was back in Galilee, some of the Pharisees started plotting on how to get rid of him because they consider him to be dangerous. He's upsetting things. He's leading people astray in their mind. He's telling people to do things differently than the way they've been telling people to do things. And so he's just a troublemaker in their eyes, particularly in Jerusalem. A troublemaker can cause some kind of uprising amongst the people and cause the Roman army to step in to fix it. And they absolutely don't want that to happen. So they want to arrest him because they consider him a troublemaker. They consider him not towing the line and they just need to get him out of the way. Now, charge him with why? You can't just arrest him. You have to charge him with something. Well, they'll figure out something to charge him with. But they fear the crowds. Now, Matthew uses the term crowds just always describe the extraneous people around. There are his disciples, and then there are the crowds, all the other people. And it's not a homogenous group. There was the crowds around Jesus on the journey to Jerusalem. They were all Galilean pilgrims heading to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. 
it's probably that crowd that comprised the group singing Hosanna on the triumphal entry because they were getting all worked up the closer they got to Jerusalem and hoping to see Jesus do something big. And then Jesus does the whole bit with the, the donkey, Zechariah 9. And so they got really excited then. This crowd here, maybe some of them are the Galileans, but probably not. It's probably not a majority of Galileans in there. There's a lot of people from Judea there. But remember, the people from Judea, many of them considered John the Baptist to be a prophet. Back in verse 26, they were afraid to give the answer to John the Baptist's authority because they feared the crowds. The people considered John the Baptist to be a prophet. Now, it wasn't Galileans. It was Judeans who considered John the Baptist to be a prophet. And so the crowds here, many of them thought John the Baptist was a prophet. They're probably applying that same role to Jesus now. So it's not just Galileans, it's Judeans too that they're afraid of. Because people are starting to think Jesus is a prophet. And so they want to get rid of him, but they got to find a way to deal with the crowds. There's irony here. Back in verse 44, when Jesus was talking about the capstone, and that people who fall on the stone will be broken to pieces, but on whom it falls, it will shatter him. The whole point here is people who oppose this cornerstone will be destroyed by the cornerstone. And he is the cornerstone. They hear this warning, and they just decide to oppose him all the more. So we see that this judgment on them is well-deserved. But Jesus isn't done with them. He's still got another parable to go. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.